Church, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to the New Testament letter of 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is near the end of the Bible. Uh, I don't have the pew Bible page number uh, in mind at the moment, but it is First uh, and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, Jude, all very short letters just before the final book of the New Testament, uh, the book of Revelation. So if you turn near the end and backtrack just a little, you will wind up in First Peter. Well, friends, 15 years ago today, our nation fell under attack. It was attacked by uh, Al-Qaeda terrorists, and four planes were hijacked. Two were steered into the World Trade Center Twin Towers in New York City, another uh, into the Pentagon just outside of Washington, D.C., and still another was brought down in a field in near Shanksville, uh, Virginia. And if you are an adult today, chances are you remember where you were that day when you heard uh, that news that our nation was being attacked and that many citizens of our nation had lost their lives that day and nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives on that day. And church, we should remember those who lost their lives then and in the days and the years that followed. Many more lost their lives through Operation Enduring Freedom, an effort to uh, battle and to confront and to fight radical Islamic terrorists around the world. But in the wake of that event, uh, you remember that there was a renewed sense of identity among many in our nation, that we uh, identified once again in a rejuvenated way for many of us that we were citizens of this nation, citizens of a free nation, that we were Americans. And for many, we wanted others to know that we, as the song says, were proud to be an Americans, that we would stand together and that we would proclaim liberty and justice as citizens of the land of the free and the home of the brave. And as we think about the events of September 11th, 2001, and as we open the scriptures this morning, I think the truth that the Lord has for us is that the God who redeems calls us to live as the redeemed. The God who redeems calls us to live as the redeemed. For just as there was a renewed sense of identity among many citizens of this nation as Americans, the scriptures call us this morning as people of faith and the God of scripture to have a renewed sense of identity as the people of God. In fact, I think scriptures clearly call us in First Peter chapter 1 verses 13 and following to remember where our primary identity lies and to live in, in light of it. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, let those who have experienced redemption and salvation Forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Declare their story. Let them declare God's story and their place in it. And likewise, I think we are called upon through the scriptures this morning, not only to say so, but to live so. Let the redeemed of the Lord live so. 
For the God who redeems us calls us to live as the redeemed. This is a truth that, as I stated earlier, that Peter helps us grasp. So let me invite you to find your place in 1 Peter. And as you find your place in 1 Peter chapter 1, to join me standing for the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 1. So we pick up where we left off last week as we started a new series for the next several weeks. Uh, looking at this uh, important letter, this letter that Peter, the apostle, wrote to scattered Christians in the first century, a letter that has truths, timeless truths for our lives today as people of faith. First Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 13, we read, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we invite you this morning to lead us, to guide us as we seek to understand the truths of your word and apply them to our lives today as your people. Lead us now by your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, church, there is much in the world uh, that competes for our attention. There is much uh, in our own lives and around us and our circumstances and beyond that vie for our attention. Many good things, things uh, like family and friends and relationships and careers and schools and hobbies, interests. On and on we could go. Many things that tend to consume our, our minds. I don't know if anybody else's mind tends to wander from one thing to the next, but I certainly uh, recognize in my own life that that is often the case. I'll be uh, reading or studying or listening or driving or, or whatever, and uh, next thing you know, I've been dwelling on a particular thing for 10 minutes. One of these things that I mentioned moments ago, things that are part and parcel of everyday living But if these things uh, consume us or define us, then we have uh, gone down a road uh, that uh, is counter to what the scriptures call us us to do. For Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I had the opportunity last night uh, to go to Jimmy Hill Mission and to uh, speak to uh, the men who are temporarily temporarily living there. And after the service, one of the uh, men came up to me and, and asked me if I had a few minutes to, to talk. And so he began to share some of his recent story. And it was one devastation after another, one hardship after another, one loss after another, a loss of friends, the loss of folks that were close to him. And he was clearly broken and hurting and battling depression and weeping as a 52-year-old man and asking, where, where can I find hope in such circumstances? And many of you, no doubt, can identify with loss and grieving and illness and pain and trials and tragedies. And the truth is, in this world and in this world alone, there is not a whole lot of hope. This is a dark place. There's much good in the world, but the world is characterized by much darkness. But thankfully, we have a hope as believers in the God of Scripture that extends far beyond this life. 
We have a hope in the grace that will be brought to us, that will be revealed to us at the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A hope, a living hope, Peter says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that ought to inform how we live, how we think, how we act, how we conduct ourselves as we walk in this, this world. That phrase there in verse 13, with minds that are alert, is uh, a phrase that literally reads in the original language of the New Testament, uh, to, to gird up the loins of your mind. Instructions, gird up the loins of your mind. We can see why uh, translators would sort of gloss over that and smooth over that because we don't talk that way. We don't talk about girding up our loins very often, do we? But uh, in, in that day, in that context, this would have recalled an ancient custom. For long before this, uh, many people in the ancient Near East, Israel and beyond, would uh, have worn long robes and they would have brought those uh, robes up to some extent, and wrapped them between their legs and tied them around their waist so that they could do something quickly, so they could move about with haste, so they could run faster, accomplish tasks that were needed to be done quickly. In fact, we see a picture of this in Exodus chapter 12 where God is giving instructions to his people about how they're to observe the Passover. Remember, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God had given them instructions about how to slaughter a lamb and put the blood over their doorpost so the angel would pass over their their houses. And we read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, the Lord said, This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. In other words, eat it ready to go. Because you're going to eat this, and then soon afterward, I'm going to deliver you just as I promised from bondage in Egypt. Eat it prepared. Prepared for what lies ahead. And it's that sort of intentionality and alertness that Peter is calling us to here with our minds. Sober thinking and Minds that are set on the hope of the grace of Jesus Christ that will be revealed to us when He returns. God, have a fully sober mind. And here, not so much thinking or certainly not limited to alcohol intoxication. This is a mind that is free from mental intoxication with distractions of this world. Often good things. Things like career and family and friends and politics and fishing and football and hobbies and we could go on. Things that are good things unless they begin to consume us so much that they pull us away from our spiritual identity in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Things that can become a distraction to our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. Called upon not to allow these things to consume us. Don't be consumed with these things, Peter says. Don't set your hope there, but instead set your hope on your future reward. Peter writing to Christians, believers, followers of Jesus who are scattered throughout a vast region, enduring persecutions and trials and hardships, often for their faith in Christ. And he says, set your hope on your future reward. In his best-selling book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective 
people. Stephen Covey describes one of those seven habits as beginning with the end in mind. Instructs effective leaders and those that want to be effective leaders to begin with the end in mind, to to visualize where it is they want to go and then to take the necessary steps uh, to get there. And likewise, church, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we who know the entire story as recorded and written and revealed to us through God's word are called upon to begin with the end in, in mind. Not, not an end that's characterized by our wants and our dreams and our goals, but an end that's characterized by what God has for his, his people. We saw last week that we ought to yearn, we ought to long for our final home. We ought to long to be with Jesus, to enjoy the presence of our Savior. And those who know the Savior want to be with the Savior. To recognize the hope of our future reward at the appearing of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I use that word reward cautiously. Because I think for many of us, when we think of a reward, we think of something we have earned. We think of something we deserve. A payment, recognition for something great we have done. And not so with this one. Now, this is a reward that is not based upon any accomplishment of ours. This is a reward based upon the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world on the cross of Calvary. Salvation and forgiveness and redemption, reconciliation with God that has been extended to us through the sacrifice of Christ and applied to our lives through repentance and faith in in Him. It is an eye for the future that informs our present living. The God who redeems calls us to live as the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord live so. Church, set your hope on your future reward. And also, we are instructed here, according to God's word in 1 Peter chapter 1, to fear God's displeasure and discipline because he redeemed us at great cost. Fear God's displeasure and His discipline because He redeemed you at great cost. Look back at verses 17 through 21. In fact, look at it for the first time because we have not read this portion yet. Beginning in verse 17. Since you call on a Father, God the Father, who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here, as temporary residents here on earth, in reverent Fear, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you, were rede- re- that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, through Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people of faith in the God who has made himself known to us, we are called upon to live out our time here on earth in reverent fear. To acknowledge who God is. And this is... Not a fear for believers of a final unending judgment, for that has been taken care of through the blood of Jesus Christ, but just the kind of fear that a child has that leads him or her to long to, to obey his father, 
wanting to love and to honor and to please His Father. Likewise, as children of God on high, we are called upon to want to love and to honor and to please the God who has rescued us in and through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. For Jesus has rescued us, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has rescued us. Salvation is from God and by God, but for us. He has rescued us through Jesus, bringing us into His kingdom that we might know Him and live for Him and declare His greatness. This is a salvation that we are called upon to respond to and to respond to with repentance and faith. To turn away from sin and a life that is all about me, all about the self, and to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you don't know this hope, if you don't have any reason to set your hope on a future reward, if you don't have an inheritance awaiting you, if you don't have a living hope and a new birth, a new life that Peter describes here in 1 Peter chapter 1, then cry out to God now. Turn to Christ today. Trust in Jesus for salvation and new life, for forgiveness of sins today. Recognize that He is Lord. Embrace Him as your Savior right where you are. Repent and believe. You don't need me or any human priest or anyone else to approach God. You approach God now where you are through the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on your behalf. Approach Him. Embrace Him as Lord. And then as recipients of this gift of salvation, we are called upon to live lives that honor Him, acknowledging that He is the God who has ransomed us. He paid the price for us, and He took the penalty for our sin. And as recipients of that gift, we dare not cheapen the grace of God by minimizing the sacrifice of of Jesus by disregarding as insignificant what God has done for us, by living lives that are all about us and not about Him. God who redeems calls us to live as the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord live. So let's look at the final few verses of First Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 22. The Scriptures continue, Now that you have purified yourselves, By obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word, Peter says, that was preached to you. You see, the Word of God is the life changing message. It is the imperishable seed that He describes here. Have, have you received this Word? Have you heard the Word of God as has been made known through the Scriptures, culminating in the message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, giving His life on your behalf? Have you heard this message and responded with repentance and faith, embracing Jesus as your Lord? Have you received this new 
life. We are called to set our hope on a future reward. We're called to fear God's discipline and displeasure as his children. And we see here that we are called to grow in our faith by loving one another as his people. Grow in your new faith by loving one another. Scriptures call us here to grow in our new, new life by loving one another. For those who hear this message and repent and believe, Peter says in verse 23, are born again, have been born again. Verse 3, they have been given a new birth and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In fact, Jesus told his Disciples recorded in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, that you are my people, if you love one another. Let me ask you this morning, do you love other believers? Do you love other Christians? Do you love other followers of Christ, for the scriptures tell us clearly that loving other followers of Christ is a mark of indeed knowing the love of God that has been displayed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord live so by loving one another deeply with a sincere love from the heart. The God who redeems calls us believers brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of the Most High King, to live as the redeemed. The blood of Jesus allows us to commune with God, to approach God, to know that we are restored to right relationship with Him and also allows us and invites us to have a renewed commitment, a new commitment, an intimate connection and fellowship with each other as fellow believers, and we're going to celebrate this this act of God, this greatest display of love in history as we observe communion in just a few moments. As we prepare for, for that, let me invite you to prepare your hearts, to draw your attention to the cross, to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus in your place and in my place, to confess any sin before God, to thank Him for the cross, to Reflect on on the one who has saved us, the one who has rescued us, the one who has redeemed us through Jesus Christ. We're going to bow and pray. We're going to sing. We're going to hear an anthem song. And all the while, let me encourage you, let me invite you to fix your eyes on the cross. Thank God for the sacrifice. With rejoicing, with singing, with celebration. It's appropriate for a king who saves. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the gathered church to celebrate who you are and what you've done. Father, I ask you to lead us, to guide us as we continue in worship. Father, we pray that we would declare your greatness and your praises, that we would honor you. Father, we pray that you would reveal any unconfessed sin in our own lives so that we might confess it and draw near to you once again through the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for loving us, for knowing us, for saving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.